On today's episode of The Investing Revolution, we have my friend and business partner, Maya Madden, joining us uh, in kind of studio to talk about growing property management uh, portfolios and how property managers are getting better at what they do best. This is The Investing Revolution, a podcast designed to help your real estate investment strategy. On this podcast, we'll teach you the actionable steps to take and pitfalls to avoid so that your real estate investing can thrive. Welcome to The Investing Revolution. I am your host, Jonathan Cook. And with me today is a good friend, um, a, a peer in the industry, and one of the uh, smartest people I know, Maya Madden. Uh, how are you, buddy? Welcome, welcome to the show. Finally, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on because right now, um, technically, I, I I work for you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's great that yes, I am doing the investing revolution. This is a, a great passion of mine. I love to talk about this industry, but um, you know, as of the new year and you know, kind of toward the end of 2022. I made a jump recently into the consulting industry uh, because of you, friend. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, it has been such a blessing. Our clients are, you know, just so thrilled. Like you've taken everything to the next level. And I'm excited to continue revving up with you and, and the rest of our team as we continue on our hunt for more industry experts like yourself to add to the fold. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm so excited to be a part of the rev up team. And I, and I kind of want, you know, I like the idea of going with a, a cold concept of, I want you to walk us through how you developed rev up, where, where the, the idea came from, and then kind of where we are positioned in the industry as yeah. not only just a consultant, because there are so many consultants in this industry, but where yeah, we really, very general term. <laughs> yes, yeah. but where we kind of take that and, and, and mold it into our own idea of, you know, growing the whole industry and, and where there are people out there. Cause I want to talk about, I, I want to get to really some of the uh, game breaking concepts with within yeah. our company with the SDR movement and what that looks like. But, but just kind of walk us through um, your, your uh, entry into Reva. What, what, how did that startup happen? Because we, we are a startup yeah. and we are crushing it. So give us, give us that <laughs> yeah. So I really cut my property management teeth at Evernest before they rebranded. So it was good old GK houses in Homewood and it was an incredible experience. I really solidified my understanding of the single family industry as a whole. And one thing led to another. And I had seen that Bill Smith had sold shipped for half a million dollars to Target and noticed he was moving into the multifamily space with landing, which is a network of luxury, fully furnished apartments. And so I was able to work for him. You know, I knew that he had been in the same small group as Matthew Whitaker. So I already had a really great sense of who he was as a person, but working for him was just game changing. I mean, he is very inspiring to work for, as is Matthew. And so I really cut like my multifamily and my single family teeth, but that shift and that move from, you know, Evernest to landing, you know, was going from a very consultative environment to more of a transactional one. Cause like at landing, obviously our budgets were massive. We scaled to 70 cities in a year. You know, I was managing like a marketing budget, you know, north of 
like 70K per month and got to build a fully segmented sales team, but I really miss that consultative space and environment. And so, you know, I kind of took a deep dive into the trade show world last year. As you all know, I was definitely a road warrior or airplane warrior, I should say. Did about two shows a month and I got to meet so many incredible, you know, just industry leaders. One of those being Dylan Stewart. And him and I clicked immediately and we just really understood, you know, big tech, high ticket philosophies in this niche environment and wanted to bring that level of education and segmentation to this space. And we're starting to bring that and it's incredible to see it, you know, blossom and thrive and, you know, to have the autonomy to help our clients achieve and exceed their revenue goals is is ultimately where we want to go. And, you know, we started very niche, like in just the sales space. And then, of course, the objection is, hey, operations needs to be streamlined before we can grow. So now we've launched RevOps and that has been incredible. We were in stealth mode with it for, you know, a couple quarters to prove the concept. And it's so true that both worlds can work together, but the beauty is Dylan and I have in, have been in both worlds. Like we both worked in property yeah. management ops. We both worked in property management sales and we bring people in like you, you know, who have been in both as well. We bring players in like Dennis, who has been in both as well. Like he came from landing. And so, um, you know, I'm really strategically building, you know, just a team of industry experts so that we can continue to add value. Um, and, you know, my thought as a founder is like, it's really easy to scale people. It's hard to scale culture. Right. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful for the culture that we have now. And I want to help like embed and inject the philosophies that we have into our clients like companies. And to your point, starting with the first tier of segmentation and sales that we need to bring to this industry is that SDR, that sales development representative. Right. And so Jonathan and I have actually coined a new term. Because in a traditional sales environment, you have an SDR reporting to an AE. Well, we coined the term BDM in the property management space, right? So we want a similar, you know, in linear vernacular for that. So we have coined a client opportunity advisor. So we'll just be using COA from now on also stands for cover our assets. Um, That's right. But we'll take a deep dive into what that look like that role looks like today. So um, and just want to quickly plug in. Good old Santos. I'm here at our seventh location. Sponsored by Santos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not really. Well, no, <laughs> I'd have to call mom for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is so, free marketing for them. It is. It is just free marketing for Santos. Uh, one of the things, so I, I kind of want to want to get into COAs and what that role is because us being in the property manager space and being, you know, Narfum, you know homeboys and we, we just hang out yeah. in Narvum space so much that like I think we've we've experienced through a lot of the tech industry a lot of people in that SDR role and what that looks like. You know, and we have our own SDRs at Rev Up. But yeah. really one of the things that COAs. <laughs> well sure. Like, well, yeah. well, I think that the big difference is what most people have is an SDR. What we utilize is COAs and what we train yeah. for property management owners being COAs I think there's there's a big difference in in what that looks like. So when we train our uh, COAs for other property management companies, the the big difference that we take is teaching them to not be out there trying to sell because there's nothing yeah. worse than getting a cold call 
and someone trying to sell you something over the phone instantly all the no time. No one likes a telemarketer or a well, spammer. But, but what's interesting is in our space, the yeah. largest group of available business for the only accessible major. through outbound is yeah. only accessible through outbound because if Absolutely. we're talking 72 million rental rental properties in the u.s only 11 million are professionally managed what we're looking at is why would a property manager compete with another property manager when the largest space to go grab new clients is just out there in the wind they're just out Absolutely. there they're exclusively outbound <laughs> opportunities and therefore yeah. you know developing that coa role to where it's not just somebody trying to hammer those outbound people with a sales call because they're we train our uh, COAs. They're not selling. They're not selling anything. They are just mm -hmm. collecting information so that they can advise these people. They're, they're data collection. I just want to call everyone in an area and understand what. Why are you self-managing? Like, yeah, you know, and how are you doing market? it? Yeah, tell me mm -hmm. everything about it. Like, do you currently have recording software? Do do you? have all of your expenses tracked? Do you have a showing software? What are you doing? And then it allows them to truly assess whether these investors don't need a property manager because some of them actually don't, which is interesting. But then several of them do need a property manager and they didn't even know that they needed it. So like, yeah. And it's also stories. this shift between need and want, right? Like we're in such a convenience, you know, market right now. Like if it makes my life easier, we're going to do it. Um, can you tell that story that you told at practice this week about the woman who rated herself gotcha. and ate? <laughs> so, I feel like that resonated so much. I think that actually, it fits really well within this podcast, but, but I started doing some research and I'm going to tell you about some new research yeah. I'm doing. I reached out to a local investor in the Birmingham market. Um, I wanted to do an interview on her because I'm basically trying to um, have a study for like the COA role, just calling local investors and having those conversations because it is, in my opinion, it's important to understand the local investor and, and understand what they think of property managers. So I reached out to an investor in Birmingham. She owns about 20 properties. Uh, kind of spread out through the entire market, everything from really most of her properties are A and B class homes. So they're, they're suburban, they're, you know, nice areas, good school systems, high rents. And she has one property that happens to be a C class property, which I sold her several, several years ago, like 2008. <laughs> He's proud of the C class in your whole portfolio. I, I like my C class. Stuff. <laughs> it, it works. It, it makes for a good, good high return. So you know, in, in the conversation that we had, I explained to her, look, I'm trying to do some research. I really want to understand why you've never chosen a property manager. You've known me forever, but you've never, you've never chosen a property manager. Yeah. I've never, I never called her to ask for property management services for her, but either way, I just kind of wanted to get her idea behind it. She goes, oh, well, I've never needed a property manager. Okay, please explain. Well, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. And I said, as a matter of fact, that's a good, that's a good place to start. I want to know in a scale of one to 10, how would you assess yourself in terms of real estate investor, you know, scale? And she goes, oh, I'm an eight. I mean, I'm absolutely an eight. And I said, oh, great. Okay. Now Warren Buffett is a 10. You're calling yourself an eight. And she goes, yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, I am. I said, great. Tell me, tell me why. Well, because I've always made money in real estate. Cool. That's, that's wonderful. You've got 20, pro she owns 20 properties. She's been doing it for 20 years. She, 
she has a ton of experience and it, in her mind, she's an eight. And I said, that's fantastic. I'm going to ask you a series of questions because I'm curious where you would rate yourself. You, you say you're an eight, but let me ask you this. If we look at all 20 properties, can you give me an annual income for each property? She said, no. She couldn't tell me how much she was making on each individual property. Now she could say, I, I, I She's have, always made money. She just has no idea how much. <laughs> she doesn't know how much. And I said, okay, well, do you know what your annual expenses are for maintenance? She said, no. I asked her, how often does she replace a tenant? And she said she wasn't sure, but she could go back through and she could remember how many tenants were in each property. So great. Yeah, Let, and that's, a, that's such a theme. It's like, where's the tracking? Like, we have this gut good. feeling as owners of what we do. And it's like, if it's, if it's not tracked, like, I don't want to hear about your 70% conversion rate because it's not accurate, pal. It's not accurate. Like, let's go do a historical data analysis with the RevUp team and figure out what your actual conversion rate is and blow your mind. That's exactly yeah. it. So as we walked through this, the, the story of her owning property, we actually came to find out the property that she liked the least, which is the C-class property. She's like, I don't know how you talk. Was to the most that. profitable. It was the most profitable <laughs> by like 257% yeah. because what's interesting is she always paid cash for every one of these properties, which makes it difficult to assess what cash flow is because you have to take out what debt service should be when you're really calculating, are these performing at a level that you think they are and year but, after year not just year one projections correct. people <laughs> exactly yeah and so what it came down to is her small c-class property had only one tenant in there for the last eight years she had not even increased wow. the rent but because she bought it for forty thousand dollars and put fifteen thousand dollars in the renovations and was making like eight hundred dollars a month for the last eight years, she, the, her only expenses in maintenance has, is just now. She's just running up into a $17,000 repair, which makes her think, oh, this property I'm just losing money on. I'm just I'm spending $17,000. I bought the house for $40,000. So in her mind, she's associating that cost with what it would be in the house. And I said, well, what is the house worth right now? And she goes, maybe $130,000, $140,000. So yeah. if we break down the actual percentage of what that investment has become, even taking into account $20,000 instead of $17,000, her overall return on that property is still over 200%. She's made so much money on that amount of money in the same period of time that it doesn't even compare with her other properties. And she wasn't- So how prepared. did she end up rating herself after that conversation? I'm curious. So we, we, we <laughs> at the end of it. Actually, she said, so am I like a one? And I said, no, of course not. You are at least a two because like you said. <laughs> you're not a one. Yet, but you're not a one. <laughs> you're a two. But like you said, you've been doing this for 20 years. You have a lot of experience that most people don't. You have made money on your properties for 20 years. So yeah, you definitely are above absolute minimum. But what's crazy is I, I have a theory that most self-managed property owners assume that they are an eight or a nine because they don't, they don't understand yeah. how their properties could be run any better than they're doing it because they haven't lost money. They assume, well, it can't be run better than this. And then when I put things in place to them, like, well, because we work with so many property managers now and I'm, I'm there to be able to say, do you know the difference between what it's like when a, when a, property is professionally managed, even the worst property manager 
even the worst one out there is managing your property so much better than you are just from the simple concept of, you know, buying power. If we just look at the difference in buying power for, I own one property. My general contractors get paid for me only when they do this one property. So do they give me pricing cuts? Probably not. Now, a property manager that manages 50 to 100 properties, are they getting a pricing cut? Yeah, right? So that's why we teach our COAs to understand what the difference is with a professional, a professionally managed property versus a self-managed property, right? Like that's, that's what we are training our people to do is understand not just how sales works. Anybody can convince anybody of anything if they're sharp enough with their, you know, wit, right? What we are doing is putting people in touch with their ideal clients. We are talking to people and going, what would make you super excited to work with a property manager? Yeah, X, and to y, your Z? point, can you kind of go through our nine-step process a little bit? Oh my God, yeah. So <laughs> Maya and I kind of cross-developed this, this process for our COAs when they're reaching out to these outbound leads, these cold call opportunities. Um, and, and, and we developed this, you know, with some psychological data and how people operate, especially when they are getting a cold call. So we developed a yeah. nine touch point system and it's nine conversations. It's not nine calls. It's nine. Yeah, if they don't answer, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they don't answer, it doesn't count. And what's interesting is sometimes you can go from conversation one to conversation three in one phone call, but they are all combined yeah. nine entirely separate conversations that help us determine whether a lead is a good fit for a property manager. Mm -hmm. The first conversation is all about just breaking the ice. It, yeah, it, well, the, the whole idea is we're doing research for these property managers. Not selling these, anything. Not selling anything. So these COAs, the very first step that they have to tackle is breaking the ice getting through that first 15 seconds of that conversation because we've all had our phones ring at what, as I'm recording this episode, my phone rang from some random cold call number. I'm sure it was a wholesaler, <laughs> of course, or someone trying to offer me to extend my car's, you know, warranty or something. That's what we get all the time. And if we ever deem to answer those calls in the first five or 10 seconds, we are all, you know, figuring out if we want to carry that conversation on. Is this a salesperson? Is this person doing something silly? Do I want to have this conversation? 10 or 15 seconds, we can determine if we want to stay on that call or pay any attention, right? Absolutely. Maybe it's some, maybe it's about health insurance. We're like, well, maybe I'll listen to that, but like, that's eh, nothing to pique my interest. Boom, hang up. If it's something that we are potentially interested in, if someone calls, if, if a wholesaler calls me and wants to tell me about a real estate deal, yeah, I'm going to listen, but half-hearted. They've got to, They've got to come up with something that catches my attention because I get cold calls from wholesalers all day. They better have something there to really get me or otherwise they're just sitting on my shoulder and, and it's playing while I'm doing something else, right? So there's got to be something there that catches my attention to make me have that conversation. So that icebreaker is step one. It is just letting them know I'm not trying to sell you anything. I am not trying to scam you out of anything. I just want to talk with you about your positioning in the real estate market because I'm collecting data. That being step one, most investors are happy to sit there and go, you know what? Yeah, I'll tell you about my investments a little bit. I mean, if that's all this is, you're just trying to collect market information because why are you trying to collect market information? Well, we are for property managers. The more information that we have, the better we're able to serve our, our clients. Makes perfect sense. So that's conversation one. Most of the time, 
that's going to just give you a little bit of room to say, hey, look, I really I don't need that much of your time. If you're busy right now, I'll call you back later. If not, yeah, let, let's move this conversation on. I'll make maybe take 10 minutes to ask you a few questions. It, it allows the opportunity to reschedule. But if they're ready to go, if they have time, yeah, let's move on to conversation two. Let's get some basic information about the property. And so our, our COAs are trained to then just kind of ask basic level you know, probing questions about where these clients' position is in the market. Do you own this? Address? While building a significant amount of rapport, of course, they are certified private investigators exactly that will stalk you online <laughs> and and get to know right. who you are, you know, prior to making their dial. So it doesn't feel as cold. And and to your point, there are a variety of different strategies. Like when you pick up the phone, if you hear nothing for the first two seconds, like you know you're going to hang up. Like they have to start talking immediately. That like dead air, like is a killer. And so that, in addition to them really knowing who they're calling before they call, m makes it more of a warm call because they're calling someone that, you know, they have somewhat of an understanding of who they are and what they do. So as they move through the probing process, it doesn't feel like, you know, we're just bombarding them with a the game. You we know, don't want to interrogate people. But it's, it's conversational and that's kind of the twist and turn it takes. And it's interesting you know, if someone's actually persistent about talking with you, you're going to tell them more. And I love hearing, yeah. you know, we'll get to the other steps of the process, but I love hearing like first call, we only hear about two properties and then it's like, oh, I actually managed 25 or my mom yeah. had 10 rentals. Like, you know, it's interesting to see how those conversations evolve. Well, I, I like the idea of trying to meld what a property manager thinks of an outbound client, of a self-managed property, versus what a self-managed you know, property owner thinks of a property manager. That, that's yeah. where there is a huge disconnect. And so these questions are designed through several separate conversations to start at a really high level. Tell me about your property. How long have you owned it? What is the address? What is How many bedrooms and baths? What are you currently charging for rent? How long have you had a tenant in place? How long did it take you to find that tenant? And then it slowly ratchets into over the course of several conversations. Conversation three really kind of answers back those questions because you're going to naturally run into, well, what are your rates? Well, what, what is your average days on market for your property management company? And of course, all property management companies are going to be different. There are some pretty standard things. A, a professionally managed tenant stays three to five years. It's kind of across the board. A, a self-managed tenant about 18 months. Th th those are just nationwide statistics. You can find this information yeah. out and you can recognize that a property management company keeps tenants longer. They have better quality tenants and that makes you more money. The largest loss in real estate investment is always vacancy. It always is. It always is. So the longer term tenant that you have is better than a new tenant every year at market value. Because if it's taken you three months between tenants to place a new one, well, a property manager would have saved you a full month's rent in that case, just basic statistics. So we're, we're going through those conversations and slowly ratcheting into the more in-depth conversations that these owners probably don't know the answer to. What is your annualized maintenance expenses? Have you mapped that out? Well, I know this year it was this number. What has it been for the last five years? Oh, I don't know. You should know that. These are, these are basic investment questions that if you are trying to make money in, you have to run these addresses like a business. And most investors aren't really 
aware of what they're missing when it comes to it's can more I emotional, right? Of course it is. Yeah, versus you know, like the hard fact and the hard truth of what is versus what isn't, and it's like you said, everybody assesses themselves at an eight when they deserve a two. Yeah, Warren Buffett is in ten, guys. Like, <laughs> let's just set that you know precedent, but. I, mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's really interesting to see their mentality shift, you know, as they start working with us and, you know, are really able to maximize, you know, their portfolios because now they actually have the revenue numbers in front of them, but they have the hard data of what got them to that point and what are the leading factors that are driving profit. And then what are the leading factors that are driving loss of profit, right? What I think is really interesting in, in our process of talking with property managers and helping them sharpen their tools, what I th- one of my, I mean, as the consultant, and I know you, you're not in the consulting calls with me, so you miss some of this joy that I get. It's I'm really, always there. I'm omnipotent. I, I, you're always there in spirit. <laughs> but when we get into these questions where it's like, all right, tell me why someone would want to choose you as a property manager. It's my favorite question. I love to hear people's answer to that. Well, because I'm yeah. here, that's not a good enough answer, guys. Or my it's pricing not. is better than Joe down my the street. Pricing. I'd rather you tell me you're the most expensive property manager on the block. Oh my and God, here's yeah. why. Like when I hear that, it's music to my ears. I think value, obviously, you know, my experience offers me a wide range of, you know, visibility into other people's experiences with sure. the cheaper guy on the block. Um, and, but yeah, it's wild. Like it's such a transactional mentality versus, you know, an educational one. And I say it all the time and I will continue to do it until it resonates with the majority you know, of this industry. It's like, why are we choosing you? I don't care about your rates. What do you yeah. offer? Like, how are I you going to understand here? And what is your level of discovery? Yes. And it's so wild, even in the inbound world, because look, like, yes, we preach 80% of the market is accessible through outbound. Statistically speaking, that's true. You've got 20% that's inbound. But if you have the money to throw at it and you have the staff that's going to get on it in the first, first five to 10 seconds, you're not necessarily going to have to worry about all of the recycled activity that happens in that space. Granted, not everybody has that blessing, especially when they're starting out. But the goal is ultimately for us to take an educational approach. Look, first of all, they're calling or they filled out a form because something happened. Like what went down? And if the first question they ask is price related, that's a freaking red flag. We probably won't want to manage for them, but who knows? Maybe they're just conditioned that way versus, okay, what happened? Why did you fill out this form? Let's take a deeper dive into that. And then let's have a deeper conversation. And your COA can do that for you. Like they can be in addition to your outbound lead generation They can be the screener on the front end and then they can ultimately determine, is this lead worth my BDM's time? Is it worth my owner operator who is acting as the BDM closer's time, thus maximizing ROI of your higher paid employee? You know, and then for a lot of people, you know, who have been taught in this industry to start with, you know, full sales cycle BDM that as we know, a top performer makes a minimum of hundred K OTE more if they're really crushing it like Jonathan and I did. Um, and I mean, that is not cost effective to start that way. So you have 50 to yeah. 50 to hundred doors. It doesn't make sense. Even though you and I recognize that sales is the part that makes money. It is. You have to have some money to start. Um, and so, 
that's what I love about what we're doing now. When we talk with these property managers, there's a lot of really small property managers out yeah. there that are fantastic. They, they have taken the time to really get good at managing people's properties. And they have a really strong, um, you know, uh, unique selling proposition. Like they, they are really, they know what they're doing. And, and that's great. How do you preach that to the masses? How do you let people know there's a really good property manager over in this one little small neck of who knows, Washington or, or Wyoming or whatever? How do you how do you let other investors or how do you let clients know that this person exists? And like, that's our job is to get out there and be like, OK, tell me everything about why you're good at your job. Why are you a good property manager? A ton of stuff. OK, let's help you build that sales mentality. Let's help you build this structure to where you have a brand and people can be aware how good you are at, at your position. And then we spread it out there to people. It's it's yeah. it's more than marketing. It's more than sales. And I was talking to one of our clients to your point yesterday actually, you know, him and I had a long-winded conversation about how his COA was three weeks in and like the two week mark is they go through RevUp Accelerated to become functional. And even during that time, you know, our COA booked a couple appointments. Um, but, you know, the owner was starting to get a little bit shifty, even though the deliverables stay after a quarter. They're booking five, you know, SQLs, sales qualified leads per week, right? And then after Q2, they're optimized, they're booking about eight to 12. Now, you know, he was kind of getting a little bit worried about like the performance and there were some internal kind of politics because it was something new. Right. And it's like people feel like, oh, if it's not proven within the first two seconds, like, you know, it's not viable. But what did we just see in the last two days? He's booked two each day. And so yeah. he's been at it for three weeks, already booked five qualified appointments. He's booked a bunch of other ones that weren't SQL. Correct. but. The point at the moment was to get at bats, right? It yes. wasn't about SQL. SQL is like optimization, yes. not like just getting them functional. Yeah. And so um, it was really interesting because I kind of had that reset conversation and me and the owner were very much in alignment, but the sales manager wasn't. Right. So that was, you know, it's just kind of, you know, an interesting uh, scenario, but you know, it's very possible to have somebody build these front end relationships for you and then you come in and close the deal or your BDM closes the deal. But it's more so about really understanding the point is to, to what you're saying is this role encompasses a variety of different mediums, appointment setting, branding, marketing presence, like in addition research. to frontline screening. Astronomical research. research. Absolutely. But to your point, it's like, what, I, what we found was because this person was making so many outbound phone calls for the business, they weren't even tracking the source of where inbound calls were coming from. And there were so many callback opportunities and so many like closing, you know, and SQLs that came in that haven't been tracked, you know, because that particular COA oh, didn't go on the Calendly and like book the appointment, but they noticed the lead flow call volume goes up when they do have somebody, you know, out there in the field yeah. because you're planting those seeds, you know, and then over time, if you continue to plant, I mean, what do, what do our COAs do? Like, you know, our callbacks are nuts because we have so many out there, you know, prospecting for us and building relationships and people, you know, they, they hear our name on either their voicemail or through text or through email. And then when they come across us again, that brand awareness is already there. So we can think of them, you know, in that branding and marketing role in addition 
to your appointments that are you know screener and market researcher yeah you know, there's so many fronts that this role encompasses and I mean, you and I would have killed for a COA as BDMs. <laughs> oh, I, I would have, I would have murdered. I would have like, literally donated Not a list. Really. Audience, I would never murder puppies, but I would have loved a COA. Uh, <laughs> we would have loved that. The the idea behind an outreach program that is educational based, but also with solutions attached to it. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're an investor and you get a phone call from someone who's not trying to sell you anything at all, they, they truly want to learn about your investments and your position in the marketplace. And over the course of several conversations can eventually sit there and say, well, it seems to me, if we put all the pieces of the puzzle together, this is where you're missing some stuff. We can provide that because it's already built into what we have as a service. If you would like me to get you in touch with this property manager, I'm happy to do that. And they will solve all of these issues. The great part of that is that it allows investors to kind of self-reflect, see where they are lacking, and then put you in touch with a property manager that that can handle that and then still show you so much more that it takes it off of our it takes it off of the investor's plate to try and get out there and search for well who is the right property manager the right and property manager probably has a coa calling you and asking you if if they're the right property manager for you that's what it comes down to yeah and i do want to address the legality question that i've been getting a lot because you know bdns do need to be licensed in certain states but as a whole we took a deep dive and you know pulled our lawyers as long as your coa is not discussing price you know and this information is mostly available online like your website has your value prop on there yeah. you know and they're just getting to know that person having a conversation it is legal but the price conversation does need to happen you know with someone who is licensed in a majority of states now there's some you know states that you don't even need one to operate your property management company i was talking to a client that we have i think it's in idaho um and like you don't have to be licensed um, you know, at all. Um, so that was interesting, but you know, that is sometimes like people's fear to even just have a higher level conversation about this role. Well, we have taken that into account 100%. And so we make sure that their talk track guides are specific to like your market's requirements. Um, and I mean, really they're just, again, market researching and building a higher level, you know, conversation building up to the point where they can have that higher level conversation with somebody who is licensed, but their goal is not to sell anything at all, you know? And then the byproduct is that you will sell, <laughs> you know, but that's not their role. What, what I love about it, because it's when we take in, like if you take out the, uh, you know, them trying to sell, that's what, that's why, I'm so hard with our with our COAs about like stop trying to sell. These investors are smart and if you can show them the value of your property management company, they're going to buy. They're not going to buy if you can't prove that you know what you're talking about. And so the COA role providing this level of research, it allows the property managers that that have chosen to, you know, get in business with us at Rev Up, and we've helped them train and build their platforms this this way. It allows them to be better experts in their market. We have a, an ops team now. Like we are we are consulting yeah. people on ops, which is a whole separate conversation in itself. Like what is the best way to be a property manager? Call us. Like that 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 can help answer that question. 
But when we are able to take these property managers and provide them an ability to gain so much market research and have the right clients that are that are not only a good fit for them, but now understand the value of what they can provide and are ready for that that property manager to call them and say, hey, look, all right, Joe Smith, 123 Oak Street. So I have all of the information about your property because my COA has researched everything. I know how many t- how many tenants you've had. I know what your history has been on this property. I know how old it is. I know how old your systems are. We've now got a customized plan to fit you because I've already done that work on the front end. Now and you're not talking to anybody else is the beauty because you guys went out and fished for them. You know, you're not dealing with the bloody waters of inbound recycled lethal. <laughs> So I, I think what we are doing is, is going to change this, the property management industry from not only the ability for good property managers to grow and have the right systems in place so that they are just better property managers than their competitors. What's great is we're also able to help them learn about their clients in a way that I don't think a lot of other property managers do it. A lot of property managers just take the doors when they come inbound. Hey, I need an eviction or, hey, my, my property's been sitting on the market too long. I need somebody to fill this. The low-hanging fruit. And they're not learning to be better property managers. We are, we are helping property managers get better at their own stuff. We're not telling them what to do. We're making them yeah. think about it. It's critical thinking that makes you Absolutely. assess yourself and recognize, I could do this better. I'm going to figure this out. Now I'm a better property manager than I was the day before. And, and I think Rev Up is such a, uh, you know, interesting proposition for these property managers to sit there and not just learn how to sell their product better. That's not what we do. We're not a market. It's to company. think better. It's to think differently. And a lot of it comes down to the fundamentals of, you know, now that we've launched Rev, Rev Ops, I mean, they both go together, but it's like, how do you become the best owner operator possible? Because a lot of what we're finding is we have incredible operators in this space. I mean, property management is such a bolt-on industry and you know, we run so many systems to get the job done, but it's like the sales management aspect or the organizational restructuring aspect is it's overwhelming and it's okay to not know everything. I mean, we are consistently, you know, looking for experts that we pull to help us elevate our programs. Like every single thing RevUp has like launched has been in beta test with a multitude of clients, you know, for quarters before we were ready, you know, to bring it to market. And so, you know, that being said, like it's the fundamentals of sales management, hiring the right talent, offering them the support in addition to the same thing on your op side of your business. And we can help you build out the structure and offer you realistic consulting on like where some of the gaps are and kind of go from there. But every single one of our engagements takes a you know, very custom natural path. Um, and it's exciting because me and Jonathan, I mean, we're property management sales and operations nerds. So like we could talk about this all day long. We're getting a wrap up call here. And I know we have like more hours of this in us <laughs> if we wanted to. What's really fun is I like, uh, I want to take this opportunity to, to kind of also pitch biz Devin Brewskis, which is just kind of this goofy oh, yeah. idea that we had that we are just going to do some Facebook live events where we sit at on tap, which is a local bar near us, you know, drink some beers or some whiskey in my case, most frequently and talk about yeah. business development. So, uh, you know, 
that's probably that's going that is going to be launching in January. Um, we, we've yeah, already I'm recorded excited about that. In addition to continuing to watch your PM Health workout videos as that's, I eat rum cake and you die on camera. <laughs> look, okay, so last night was a great experiment. Uh, anybody that it was that, phenomenal. I think there was a lot of engagement. I think it really take off. What a better form! I, I can't I can't think of a better form of accountability. No, there's not one. Live so, and having people. Watch that's exactly right. That was that was the only way that I could discover a good way for me to get healthy and work out was to say, hey, Facebook family, which is thousands of people, all of my property management friends. Hey, yeah, I'm going to record a Facebook live while I work out, and we'll talk yeah. about property management and business development, which basically just came to a bunch of my friends chatting about business development while I breathed heavily, going, guys, I'm dying. Someone help me. Send me My water. favorite part when he was like, and I want to talk about how this ties into RevUp and the consulting I'm doing now. And then goes off on a tangent about popcorn. <laughs> oh, that was, my that was so good. No, I love it. It was so funny. But in know, addition to some of the other uh, quotes that I, I took from that, we're going to have so, a Jonathan Isms book at a certain point. So what I want to say, audience Get ready to rev up next year and join us in a ton of stuff. Not only continued episodes at the Investing Revolution, but Biz Devin Brewski's working out on during the week. If you're interested in learning about what makes property managers, uh, you know, tick, how how is it that property managers get better at what they do? Just follow me, follow Maya. You, you'll you'll learn a ton. Um, and, and have a good time while, while you're doing it. But um, I think I'm, I'm going to give you a, the, an opportunity to plug RevUp. I mean, I, I will do it as well. My email is now a RevUp email. So Maya, tell us a little bit about RevUp and we'll go ahead and let you out because I know you've got a hard out coming. Oh, yeah. So um, got to go sell some more uh, deals <laughs> as any good CRO would do. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can go to RevUpMastery.com. There are tons of call to actions on the site. Check us out. We'll be launching the RevUp blog. As you know, we have a writer in our midst, Jonathan, over here too. I don't know if you're on my left or on my right. In this I'm on, I, I, well, on the camera, I'm this way to you, which. Okay, cool. <laughs> so um yeah i mean you can book some time to talk with me and my team and we're just going to take a deep dive into where you've gotten where you are where you want to go and offer you some realistic guidance on how to get there and you know even if there's a solution that's outside of our wheelhouse we are like the best referral partner ever because we refer out like nobody's business when it's something that um you know we don't do but yeah we just love to get to know you and talk to you and go from there Thank you so much for joining me today, Maya. Um, I really appreciate the time. And guys, make sure to like, subscribe, hit the bell notification at the top of the page, and we will see you again in two weeks. Bye.